Welcome to Life Fire Layout, the podcast where we bring the world of public safety to your listening device. I am super excited about my guest tonight, uh, or today, whenever you are listening to this, but it is night where we are. Uh, Matt Cohen, Officer Matt Cohen with the Williston Police Department. Um, super cool to have you here. I want you to introduce yourself so the audience can sort of get an idea of who you are. Uh, but before we even get there, uh, I just want to big shout out because uh here we are we're in your basement uh cruising through for round two um we tried to record this once and it actually was awesome it kind of crushes my soul a little bit uh but the magic of podcasting is that uh sound is everywhere and in this case as we're about to talk about why we're interviewing you why i'm interviewing you uh some of that sound was uh uh dogs and uh, maybe irreparable when it comes to editing. So here we are, round two. Thanks for being a part of this. Uh, Matt, tell us about yourself. Well, first, thanks for having me on your podcast again. Um, <laughs> so um, my name is Austin Matt Cohen. I'm with the Wilson Police Department. I've been the, with the Wilson Police for now 13 years, going on 14. Um, one of the things that I do with the police department, I have a really cool, kind of special, unique job. My, I'm actually our, canine, our department's canine handler. Our, our canine team is actually a comfort dog team and we're unique one of the things that we are unique for in vermont we are the first ones to activate a comfort dog team in vermont um comfort dogs as a whole our program is designed to support for the mental health of our victims and witnesses as they experience some sort of trauma and then they try to explain what happened to law enforcement um there's a whole bunch of subsets that we do in our department and inside our program including you know supporting mental health of our first responders supporting uh, community outreach and support going in and out of our businesses and schools uh, to help build in our bridges to our community pretty much we go through so many different avenues and where you think a dog may be able to help and make someone have a better day than what they started out with that's what we focus on doing Hey, we just want to do a quick pause X to thank our sponsors, L3 Harris, Proper, Paladin Biasella, Impulse, Doberman Emergency Management, and especially all of you who have been donating to our podcast. Thank you for helping us boost the signal. All right, let's jump back in. Uh, so I love the fact that uh, you were the first uh, canine handler for a comfort dog. Like most of the time, and I'll be honest with you, um, whenever I see the side of a police vehicle that says, you know, canine, stand back, caution, watch out, look out, you, you imagine the typical canine, the fast, you know, aggressive, going to get that bad guy. Um, introduce us to Duke, who is not here now, uh, but introduce us to Duke a little bit because uh, let's just go ahead and say he's not uh, that image. Correct. Um, <laughs> the, the image that, you know, our patrol dogs have in, in the police world of, you know, they're jumping over, you know, 12 foot fences to go catch a sound, whoever's running away. That's not my dog. My dog, he is a loving English lab, black lab, uh, kind of roly poly, big block head. Uh, he's three years old now. He came from us uh, as a puppy, as an eight week old puppy, donated to our department from Boonfield Labradors. Uh, they are, have been a great support of comfort dogs and therapy dogs throughout uh, policing. They've now donated 30 plus dogs across the country to different programs. Um, but they donated him Duke to us as an eight week old puppy. He started with us at end of our department at week. We're about four days actually after he'd got adopted. Uh, his first day on the job, he, we were actually doing is middle of COVID because we came in May of 2020. 
Uh, so it was right in the middle of COVID, and we actually started handing out MREs with the with the National Guard. That was our first duty, our first day. We were out there. Um, it was actually really great to see because everyone had to stay a ton, you know, six feet apart. Everyone's all masked up, ready to go. Um, we actually, cars are driving through, handing out MREs, and Duke and I are walking through as a little puppy, talking to the National Guard members, putting a smile on their faces. Even though we couldn't see them, we knew they were happy. They were happy. Um, so People can it, smile with their eyes. Yes, they can. <laughs> all the time. Um, so, just like Prescott said, we are not that high-speed team that we go out and chase down bad guys. Our job is actually to get people to talk to us so we find out who the bad guy is. Yeah. And in that process, we also want to make sure we are eliminating some of the trauma that someone may have felt during their interaction either with, you know, with the, with the offender or even as they go through the criminal justice system, it can be traumatizing. It's really hard for, for people to get through. Um, so we are that support system for them. And I, I use this analogy all the time about it kind of explaining and the idea of what we do. Um, our, you know, patrol dogs, super fast, high speed. They're like the F-18 fighter jet. They take off, they go down, they fly real fast, do barrel rolls, all that jazz. We're more like a C-130. <laughs> we take off, we fly nice and slow, but when we show up, everyone's happy because we have all the supplies. We have all that extra help that we need to support our troops in the back end. And that's kind of what we do in, in our, as a team. We come in as the back end support for both mental health with the we're victims, mental health, we're first responders, and we help bring that support into law enforcement. I like that analogy, the C-130 versus like the F-18, F-22 or 35 in, in Vermont's case. Uh, and I, I love it even more because you picture an F, uh, excuse me, a C-130, not only is it, uh, you know, the, the supply bringer, all the good stuff, but uh, Canine Duke is such an awesome dog, and he does have that big, adorable block head. Like, I grew up with dogs my whole life. Um, you did, too. I know in our past, you know, episode, we were talking about your experience growing up with dogs and how this was definitely different. Um, tell the listeners a little bit about, you know, how, how did this program start? How did you get involved and even maybe dive somewhat into the training? I'm, I'm very curious, um, even after talking to you, getting some of this information once, still very curious because uh, I can imagine the training for a comfort dog um, and for you, the handler, is quite a bit different than our uh, F-18 partners. That's correct. Um, so kind of, you have a four part question there. So we'll start with the, uh, how our program kind of came about the idea. Uh, we had a Lieutenant who went for some training out of state, saw other programs that were taking place, said, brought that idea back to us to do some research for it, started researching it, how to start it up, bring it, bring it together. We kind of got connected with Boonfield Labradors, um, with Greenfield Mass Police Department, they were one of the they were one of the initiators across the country, uh, and started building a program. We went through that whole the, the approval process with the town, got the program approved, got told dogs coming, great, because Duke was born March fifth. Nice. Guys, remember when we got locked down? Yep. COVID hit. We got locked down. We're like, great. Now we have to pivot a whole new program. Um. Because this program is supposed to be going out and interacting with people, mm -hmm. building rapport with our community, building rapport with people. And all of a sudden, now we have to pivot. So we pivot and we got to go remote land like everybody else. Yeah. So we started social media. 
Nice. So Canine Duke has social media, both in Facebook and Instagram. Uh, it's really easy to follow. It's the, the number, the, the, the letter K, the number nine, and then Duke, and then VT at the end for Vermont. VT, yeah, yeah. rep it. Um, so that's kind of how our program kind of evolved and came together. You know, we worked through COVID. So Duke came to us as a puppy. We had to do a ton of training. Uh, just like any other dog, we started with the basics. Yep. Yeah. We started with a good foundation of basics and obedience. Worked our way up, included, you know, higher stress levels for the, for Duke. We actually put him in a lot of different situations and we trained in and out of apparatus and around Sweet. different, different areas of the de- department, the police department, the fire department, basically anywhere I could go that I can expose to something new because the deal is, and the difference is beyond, you know, a therapy dog. Cause that's really our certification is in therapy as a therapy dog team. Yeah. Um, but beyond therapy dogs, we have to be able to pivot in the police world. And that means that at any given point, we might be exposed to something that a police officer is going to be exposed to or a fire department, anyone in first responding. Oh yeah. So like things like helicopters, Yep. how many dogs get trained in and around helicopters? Not many. Um, but we always make sure if we can get an exposure to a helicopter, we're, we're there. Um, we, we work around drones. We nice. work around firearms because it's a police world. You never know. I don't need Duke be pulling me down on the ground. If I ever had it in around firearms, that would not be good. Um, so we work really, really well and really hard to build his exposure to everything. And again, we go back to our basics of we need obedience during those high stress moments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so we worked with thin blue line canine. Uh, he, Tom Radford is our trainer. He actually changed. He moved out of state, which unfortunate. Oh. I, I miss him. Uh, he's now Tom. He's not, he's now Radford canine in New Hampshire. Oh, okay. Bummer. I didn't know that. I know. Yeah. So he's out of state. So no, I, no. I only get to see him every once in a while. I go say hi. Um, we went to a bunch of trainings outside of our, um, outside of our state, which is great. We went to Franklin County, Ohio. Okay. Um, and their sheriff's department, they were, they actually have a police therapy dog police so police therapy dog training um, where it's a one week course for the dog and the handler to go through both the handler and the dog. So, yes. so does it involve obviously training for the canine for Duke yeah. in this case, but you too, for me too. Um, a lot of my training in that one was actually training me to be a good trainer and be a good handler. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. To make sure that I understood what I needed to train, how to, how to train my dog. Um, we've been actually the last one. We just went out to a conference out West in Anaheim was a support service canine. That's what they called their therapy dog teams out West. Um, And that was at their conference. And that was another week long training when that one was a split. It was partly keeping our dogs, you know, tuned up, fine tuning their skills, but also training us on how to handle different situations um, and giving us extra support. And especially like grief counseling um, and supporting victims with, you know, active listening skills and things like that, that we, obviously don't get a ton of training in uh, peer support skills, things like that. Yeah. Um, that we use all the time. We don't get a ton of training in unless no. we go to an actual specific course for that. And nobody, so here's what's wild about that, Matt. Like um, I'm a peer supporter with my fire department. I got the training through two day training through the international association of firefighters. I consider it one of the best trainings I've ever been to. Um, and it is had a true, I can very safely say a true impactful benefit. Um, what's interesting, there's not a ton of CE, the continuing education in the world of like peer supporting, mental health, first aid, wellness, things like that. Um, people see trainings out there all the time, but like the quality trainings that keep you up to snuff on such a critical topic, what you're describing, man, 
it's your jam. Like you've got this awesome, friendly, adorable therapy dog, you know, canine whose job it is to do that. But it's not as if the dog is going to do 100% of everything. Like the dog is the open door, but then you have got to take it from there. Tell me how that works. Yeah. So that's exactly right. I mean, Duke is that bridge that he breaks down the barriers. He starts that conversation. Um, that's why it works really well in interviews too. Um, when we interview victims is the same thing. We start getting that conversation going. And as soon, once we start talking, you build rapport, build comfort. And this is why it's called a comfort dog program. Cause we build comfort and comfortability between different individuals and us. Yeah. Um, once you get that conversation going, a lot of times people are willing to open up and talk. Mm. Um, and then you, I need the skills as a solid either interviewer or skills in support to make sure I am providing the person we're, we're interacting with, with this, what they need. So we can either, as a, in a police world, get the information we need out, or we can work on the support for the for the individual at, at, their, at, at their own. Like, like a know, mental health mental, piece. Yes. Is there any ramifications, like something I'm kind of interested in, so I'm not in the world of policing. Um, in fact, I think you're the first uh, police officer I've interviewed, which is awesome. You definitely won't be the last. Um, any ramifications from an interviewing perspective, like if, you know, if you were to ask the wrong question or do you have to phrase things in certain ways so that like it's admissible in court? Do you, I mean, as a police officer, you're very familiar with stuff like that. Do you, does any of that come to play or is this pretty much streamlined as far as like you're there for the therapy dog? Um, canine Duke is your bridge like you just described, but it's you, you're not as concerned about that. Where does where do those lines blur? So it, those are really challenging questions mm-hmm. because it really depends on situation. OK, so if it's something that I'm in charge of interviewing, if it's my case or um, I'm direct, doing direct support for the uh, for the case officer where it's my interview. And I'm doing I'm doing the conversation back and forth. That's really up to me to make sure I'm not asking the, the questions. I'm making sure my questions are open ended and not leading questions and not closed questions. They are let's let the person tell me what happened yeah. and not put words in their mouth. Um, on the other side, there, we have another point where we actually will be a support for someone else who's a lead investigator. And when we go into something like that, my job is no longer to interview. My job is only to make sure Duke is doing his job. Cool. So when I'm interviewing, I'm making sure Duke's doing his job. I'm doing my job. Yep. The other one, if I'm being a support, you know, so an agency calls me in or another officer calls me in to help with their investigation because they feel like that victim might need a support or the witness might need extra support. And they said, we're interviewing. It is a conversation we have beforehand. You know, yeah. Okay. These are all things that we happen in beforehand. It's like, we're interviewing, you know, I might answer a couple questions about my dog to open up some of the conversation flow. But I'm not asking questions in regards to the case because it's not my case. I don't most of the time I don't know enough what questions to ask. Yep. Um, and so, you know, that would his job. My job is really just working and making sure Duke's doing his job, nice. which is providing that support and reacting to the, the individual. Um, and then lastly, we have this great role in the justice system by supporting our courts. And when victims actually want to go up on the stand and need to take the stand, they can actually request us to be up on the stand with them. Oh, nice. Um, that is always going to be based on each judge right now. We don't have a blanket statement, unfortunately, say, yes, it's good to go no matter what. Oh, well. <coughs> it's really based on the judges. Sure. And the judge on each case can decide. And then there might be a legal challenge later on, um, which is why a lot of times 
the request hasn't been put out all the time. Okay. Because um, they're concerned about that. They were concerned about, you know, if it comes out later in court um, and with the appeal. Meanwhile, um, just to clarify, uh, and for any listeners, I'm, I'm getting a little frustrated over here. Are you basically saying that the judge could, in essence, throw out a comfort dog based on just whatever they're... Maybe they don't even know what a comfort dog is kind of thing? Or, or I don't yeah. want to crap on judges here because they are amazing people, but like... For the most part, our judges in Vermont have been really well educated in therapy dog work in, our, in and around our court system. Awesome. Like Duke's not the only one that goes into courthouses. All right. Um, a, a lot of times we will get called in for a case that we've actually been following. It might be a case that we supported earlier on. It might be a case that we came in uh, halfway through um, and they want the, the support at the end. Um, but the judge is actually really well versed in Vermont about therapy dogs and what they kind of do. Cool. And what they can, how they can support. Um, for the most part, child, child victims, children victims, mm. having support, the judges, everyone was, you're good to go. Awesome. Come on out. Makes so much sense. Adult victims, it's hit or miss. Okay. Um, and that's, again, it, it goes, and sometimes it's a prosecution who says, we, we have a solid case. We might not want to risk an appeal. So <clears throat> in those cases... A lot of times, and if the victim still wants us there, we actually can do pre and post testimony yeah, support. Yeah, yeah. So we might we'll be in the courthouse in like the waiting area for the for the for the witnesses. Yeah, and we'll support them. Then they can go up. Then they go up on the stand to do what they need to do. They come back out and see us again. So there's there's still those steps that we take to give support, even if it's not right on directly the stand. in. So now, all right, here's the interesting thing, and and for the listeners. Um, tell us a little bit about, right. So you're a lot of what we've just talked about is law enforcement centric and judicial branch centric. Um, can canine Duke come out if like, all right, fire department goes out to a bad wreck. It involves a fatality. Um, where does canine Duke come in with something like that? So, um, we do support pretty much anywhere across New England without much of a question. Um, I just got to get it approved by the chief and sure. we're, we're good to go. Um, we will come out a lot of times for our supporting, you know, if they have a fatality or a code that they didn't make it, we, we can come in and actually come in during the debrief part. Okay. So if you, if the department's hosting a debrief and they said, you know, sometimes it, they're pretty impromptu and they're pretty quick and they kind of said, okay, we're just going to move on from this. But a lot of times if you, if you're supposed to have a major incident, you might do a longer debrief or that you could say, okay, we're going to do a debrief. It's, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon. We're going to do a debrief at six. Yeah. And, you know, that's enough time for the most part locally to get, get us to come out. Um, you can call us out if we're either on duty or off duty. That's really straightforward. You just call, call our department, uh, ask to speak to the on duty supervisor, and they can make the determination if they're going to call us out or not um, based on your request. All right. So, Vermont listeners, uh, and really anyone, you, you, like, I, I hope. If you, wherever you find yourself listening from, um, that you look up where your nearest comfort dog, if you have any type of leadership role, um, that you look up where your nearest comfort dog might be, because like I'm listening to this and in my mind, I'm already thinking like, yes, we are so lucky in my department that you are down the road. Um, and technically speaking, what you just said, even if you're off duty, you're quote unquote down the road. Um, what is for any Vermont listeners that may want to throw that, what's some digits, throw us a number to call for you. So for our non-emergency number, but you can call it, it's obviously covered 24 seven. You can call it, it's 802-878-6611. Cool. Okay. Um, that gets you to our dispatch center. 
they'll handle they'll ask again ask for our supervisor tell them what your request is and they'll work it through the chain of command as needed um if you are out of state and we've gone out of state like we've gone to new hampshire we've gone to massachusetts we've gone to um we didn't get to go to connecticut we got canceled to that one but okay you know we, we've pretty much covered most of new england with not much questions day or two notice is probably we've gone to new hampshire for a an officer who passed away on shift um Fortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, it was a natural causes. Unfortunately, he still passed away on shift. Absolutely. Still um, wrecks people. And so it, we've gone down there. We went and actually supported the school system that the officer was, was an SRO was in. And we also went to the, the department themselves sure. after the fact to give some some support there. Um, I went with his kids for a little bit. Like, yeah. It, yeah, it was good, hard work. It's hard. It's really hard to on the dogs it's hard on us yeah you got it's really interesting to see how tired a dog can get from laying around (laughs) no no you said but like honestly that's wicked interesting to me because um we like i see canine duke and i see him in all sorts of different like he has come to the firehouse to do training around the fire apparatus we've had you know some smoked up buildings stuff like that to um to we are in it for our own training, but you bring K9 Duke around. So I've seen him everywhere from chilling at the school, like lying down, letting the kids pet him to sort of actively training, but still being very attentive to you and your commands. Um, what's so interesting is you as a handler. And again, we've talked about this. You've grown up with dogs, so you know enough about dogs um, ahead of time. But then being a handler, you have to be as in tune and anyone who's ever watched any movies about like military canines and stuff know that you really truly develop a a bond with your dog and i see that with you i see that with you and duke um dive into that a little bit more about like uh you're hyper vigilant with that do you like do you know when to sort of call things off a little bit and say all right yeah we're gonna take a little break ourselves and maybe do our own self-care oh definitely and you see it um with Duke, it's really straightforward. Like he, large crowds, he he's fine with. He hangs out. It, it's normal for him. Um, but when I see him start laying down and not engaging anymore, I know he's pretty much done. Yep. And we build his endurance. Like it's it's something where he can be out for two or three hours, which is a very very long time for most dogs to actually work at a go. But it didn't start that way. Like mm-hmm. it didn't start my first time out with him. Like the, and when I was telling you the MREs, oh yeah, we did like ten minutes, and then he crashed in the car while we handed out some MREs for a little bit, and I took him out for another like ten or fifteen minutes. Nice, and he crashed. Like he was, and he's out. He's he's tired and he's exhausting. And that's same with um, when we work in schools and road. Like I'll see him, and then you gotta say, okay, he needs time to to decompress. And a lot of times, that's actually time in my cruiser. Yeah, because sure. that's his his space is in the back of my cruiser. We he drives with me everywhere I go, um, and I'm still res- have patrol responsibilities outside of my canine responsibilities, and so you know his decompression time. Because even when we're in the our office, he's kind of on, because he's still providing support for our, our officers that are in there in there. Like oh, yeah. he's still saying hi. He's still engaging. He's sometimes playing fetch with them, you know, getting his extra treats that he's not supposed to get. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> never, never. There's not, there's not some people he follows around looking for treats. Um, but you know, even that is, is still kind of on, on, on for him. He still needs to behave. He still needs to be on and kind of his time off is actually in our cruiser. Nice. Okay. Um, but it's, it's part of realizing when your dog is tied, when they're not working 
And you got to actually be that person to say, okay, we're done. We're taking a break. And a break might be 10 minutes. It might be going like Duke loves playing fetch. Hmm. He's, he's a lab. He's a retriever. He likes to play fetch. That's Absolutely. what it is. And a reset of like 10 or 15 minutes of fetch, which is also tiring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Physically. physically yeah, yeah, yeah. But it resets the mental piece. Hmm. And it's really interesting to think about mental pieces with dogs beyond just physical. It is. Yeah. Um, Most people don't think of it. I'll be honest with you. We went to the training I went just went to a month ago now. Um, all of our dogs, the training started at 8 a.m. in the morning. It went till about 5, 4 5 o'clock every night. All of our dogs who were there training were tapped out and done by two o'clock. There you go. Yep. Like they just went, didn't want to work. They were just laying down, not engaging. They like, we're sleeping. We're done. Um, and that was actually one of my unfortunate critiques to the, to the training. It was like, we need to make sure that we put in some time to rest our dogs that, you know, we did a lot of our classroom in the morning and by the, the afternoon, our dogs were toast. Like, let's do some of our training for our dogs early, do a classroom middle of the day. Makes a ton so of sense. So the dogs can have that rest time in the classroom. Oh, yeah. And then we can come back out and keep training. Um, so critiques, you know, they, that was actually the second time they've done it. But it's it's one of those things that as uh, these programs grow, that's one of the things in these programs are, have been growing oh, yeah. across the country. They've been growing left and right. I keep seeing new, new programs starting up, which has been great. Mm. Um, I do want to see more programs start up. You know, it's a need. It's a need that people don't realize a lot of times. Um, I know most of us first responders will never ask for a stress relief moment or never ask for a break. Yeah. We'll just keep pushing them going and going. Um, this is, sometimes I'll pop into the firehouse just to do my paperwork I'll bring my laptop in and pop into the firehouse with Duke just for doing my paperwork for 15, 20 minutes to let the guys just kind of decompress and go. And they don't actually realize that nope. that's what we're doing. I didn't. I tell you, like, <laughs> no, legitimately, Matt, it's, it's hilarious because you, there's been a bunch of times where you've like swung in and, you know, before you know it, you're gone, right? You, but we've all had our time with Duke because you, you see the, the lab and, you know, He's awesome, but you're not going to not pet the dog. He's he's there to be pet. And then you leave, and it's like 45 minutes later. I'm like, what? Why was Matt even here? And then you realize now, like, of course, it's hilarious. Most right. people are still like, oh, whatever. He probably had some stuff to do with someone else. You're like, no. He 100% came to, like, let us chill with Duke. And it it changes my day. I'm telling you right now. It changes. Right. Um, we'll be on scene. Like you said, your duties as assigned include regular policing, too. So we'll be on scene, motor vehicle crash, nothing. Minor detail, minor fluids, no injuries, what have you. But you're on scene. Guess what? We know you, all of us. Um, we know that K-9 Duke is in uh, your cruiser. What are we going to do? Before we depart the scene, even if it's for 30 seconds, we're going to say hi to Duke. And it totally changes people's attitude. Right. And it's great to watch and see on the back end. You know, most policing... We do a lot of negative reinforcement and make people not happy to see us. And this is one of the, the cool programs that people are always happy to see us. Always. And it's amazing to see people have like, maybe not frowns, but just not, they're not smiling. They're not having fun. And we kind of show up. And by the time we leave, the smile is everyone's faces. Yep. And you they can't. don't even realize it. No. And it's great to watch and watch people who don't realize like, oh, this interaction. And just like you said, you know, we might be at Home Depot for some medical that's not a big deal. The person doesn't get transported, whatever it is. Yeah. And the, the couple guys like, is Duke in there? Like, yep. of course he's in there. 
And uh, sure, of course, yeah, we, we say hi. It's like 10 seconds. They, I don't, they don't even come out of the car. They say, say hi to the back of the car. We close up. We go to our next call. But those guys are walking away with a smile. Yes, sir. Now, um, all right. You, I say right. guys. It should be guys and gals. I know. We all know. <laughs> uh, but good clarification. Um, now, let, you talked about something that I just want to hit on as we sort of start to wrap this up a little bit here. Um, you were talking about the future and how you have seen some really awesome benefit locally in Vermont as the first com- uh, canine comfort dog. And you want to see more of that. What What's the future of uh, the canine program for, you know, whether it be Williston, Vermont, uh, New England? What do you what do you think? What's your future? Uh, so Duke and I, we we're working as a team through Duke's lifetime, basically. And th- one of the nice things about a comfort dog team, we don't have to worry about, you know, dogs that can't perform. You know, uh, you know, patrol dogs, they need to be able to run and chase somebody down. We don't have to do that. So our life expectancy and working life expectancy is significantly longer than a patrol dog. Nice. Basically, if Duke can get in and out of the car, we're working. Oh, we'll make it happen. We'll <laughs> right. make that happen for that dog. Um, so, you know, our program is looking great. Uh, I know our program in Williston has been super successful. The The area and our town has been super supportive of us. Uh, we get donations from different sponsors. I can, you know, Guy's Farming Yard, I guess, nice. shout out to them. You know, they, they give us all our food. Community Bank gave us all our startup money. And every so often, we'll throw some more money our way for, for equipment and whatnot that we need. Um, we get donations from just our citizens who come in, who like our program. We actually fundraise ourselves with, you know, uh, right now we have a sweatshirt fundraiser. If you want a sweatshirt, you can come in and hook us up with some sweatshirts. They're pretty uh, sweet. They're pretty sweet. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where, you know, our program's really solid right now. We've kind of hit that nice plateau of, you know, we're all trained up. We're out doing our job. We're doing what we can. We're going out and saying hi, doing what we're getting, making a difference in the world. Um, I'd love to see you know the expansion of, you know, either therapy dogs or um, comfort dogs throughout Vermont. Yep. So we're not the only team doing this in Vermont. Yep. It's a big, um, yeah. it's a big, small state. Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. Um, you know, therapy dogs are out there. There's a lot of therapy dogs, trained therapy dogs are, who are in teams that are out there in civilian world that you can call on too. Sure. I mean, this is, if your department's kind of in the hit or miss stage, like we don't know if we want to start something like this, see if there's a local team will volunteer to come in for, a, a, you know, an hour a week or something like that. Churches, nonprofits, they exist. They, they exist. Yeah. There's Therapy Dogs Vermont that works, you know, Alliance of Therapy Dogs. Their websites, you can just go and do a request. Um, and you can put in to have a request to see if a, a team will come out. Nice. Um, so if you're, especially if you're on the fence, to kind of see how that difference, how that works, and how it can change, like, the attitude and the mood inside of Rome. Oh, yeah. It's, it's crazy. But if you don't actually see it happen, you don't actually know where the, the benefit comes from. Yeah. Like, this is not something that we're going to put a quantitative number on. No. And that's one of the hardest things to justify, too. It's like, you know, other department heads may have talked to me about starting a program. It's like, how do I justify this with my select board? How I, it's not a quantitative number. We're not going to go in and say, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10 today, when you started your 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 day, you were a two, and you met with a dog. Now you're a five. We see the yeah, increase. Yeah, like yeah. you're not gonna. We can't do that. You just gotta actually have the anecdotal stories of the changes and how it works. Um, there's one I want to tell people, and I like. I always like saying this one. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, earlier on cases, 
and where Duke kind of can see the difference. You can kind of see how a program might work. Um, we were actually out on patrol mm. during middle COVID. You know, the, the COVID shot has come out now. People are starting to get their shots. Well, quite a few ways, a few months past that. And we get a call to a local pharmacy where someone who just got their COVID shot for the first time is having a reaction. Um, those of us who work through COVID, most of those reactions that we came across yep. were anxiety even based or panic attack based or mental health based. They weren't truly adverse reactions to the drug itself. Sure. Um, so knowing that, I'm right across the street from when the, when this call comes in, I pop over. I take Duke out, go up to is a young girl who just got her shot. She's in this panic mode of, oh my gosh, I just got my this COVID shot. World might open up for me again. Whatever's going through her mind. Um, Duke turns around, sits at her feet, does exactly what he's supposed to do, engages with her. She starts calming down. Ambulance shows up. We move everything from the uh, pharmacy into the ambulance. We get up in the ambulance because Duke comes in the ambulance with us. Yep. Instead of sitting awesome. with the patient... He's now sitting at mom's feet mm, because ooh, mom yeah. is because he you know Duke comes in he reads the stress levels of the girl Ugh. interacts now he's re- mom's in the ambulance she's the highest stressed in the room yep patient he's number at, two patient number two yep. he's working it right then and there um, and those those little interactions mm. that you don't think about yeah if you have some major traumatic event you're gonna want to have support back end support we Absolutely. have an active shooter we have something like that you're gonna want that major support but it's these small events that you we're not going to have data for. We're not going to say when we start a program, these are the small events that the everyday wow. changes that you're going to see and make in a community that you don't have. If you don't have these type of programs, man, I'm, I'm excited for the future of this program. Uh, not just for my own town, but anyone listening. Um, I'm glad we got your contact information. I will make sure to include it in the show notes. Um, same question I ask all of my listeners. I uh, I want to sort of land the plane here with the... Uh, so what would you like the listeners uh, to do tomorrow? So this I like this one. I always run my life kind of by this. Um, take a risk. Mm. And I'm not saying go do go bungee jumping or jump out of an airplane. I'm saying if an opportunity comes up for you, if something comes out your way, don't let it pass you by. Take that risk. Take the step. That's what we kind of did with our program. That's kind of how I've take, I've taken the risk. We've taken uh, in other parts of my profession. I've taken the risk and been a leading edge. And if you take that risk and you go wholeheartedly into it, it's going to come out okay. Yeah. You know, and I you know I think uh, Miss Frizzle from Magic School Bus. Oh, I love Miss Frizzle. I forget how does it uh, go. Take go? chances, make, make mistakes, mistakes, get messy. So that's you know, awesome. If you don't take the risk, you don't take a chance. You never know if you're going to make a mistake or not. Truth. Truth. That is awesome. Uh, Matt, man, it has been a real pleasure. Um, I really hope in the realm of, of uh, taking risks that folks acknowledge that maybe the risk they need to take is calling um, for your services or services, if you're listening in you know, nationally, internationally, whatever, looking to make sure you know where that resource exists um, from a mental health and wellness standpoint. I have seen that benefit with our patient population. And I'll just, I'll put the shout out in foot stomp. The fact that I myself have uh, engaged with canine Duke in such a manner that I love dogs to begin with. So that's sort of a no brainer, but, um, been some calls that just uh, didn't think would shake me and started, 
you know, shaking me a little bit. And next thing you know, I've, I've got canine Duke nearby and uh, don't even realize what's happening until it's over. And I'm like, all right, I just experienced a pretty nasty call and I'm okay. A uh, bunch of reasons for that, you know, uh, but canine Duke a hundred percent plays into that. Um, Officer Cohen, I really thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, quick pause. I just want to shout out to our, our uh, a couple of sponsors. Um, Proper Apparel, they have been doing um, military and first responder work for, God, I want to say like 60 years or something amazing like that. I'm actually wearing their stuff right now because it's uh, comfy and warm and we're in Vermont, so that's kind of critical. Um, and also shout out to uh, the guy, Steve, this gentleman, Steve, who we met, works for Proper Um very nice guy at the uh, Urban Search and Rescue Conference in Orlando. Um, hooked me up with a bunch of information about uh, how cool Proper is and their equipment is. So check them out at proper.com. Uh, and also L3 Harris. They do a lot of uh, work with radios. Um, they have a, an amazing fire radio. And I'm such a nerd that you need to check out the L3 Harris fire radio. It's the only NFPA certified radio. I literally watched them attempt to set this radio on fire. Uh, turns out you can't do it it's nfpa certified for a reason dunk it in some water uh try to blaze it with some fire none of it uh, drop test it whatever you want typical firefighter stuff um so proper and l3 harris thank you so much for your sponsorship of the of this uh podcast um and uh, as we wrap things up i really thank you uh to all of the folks you mentioned to who keep um, Kana Duke uh, and you, Officer Cohen, up and running uh, both financially um, as well as just in general um, to the town for their support as well. Uh, any closing words for you? Yeah. So from for me, I want to also thank you know our, the sponsors for Canine Duke. I yeah. want to support the town of Williston for actually supporting our, our endeavor here. Um, and I need to put up my shout out to myself, unfortunately, to you guys. Absolutely. Um, if you need us. For whatever reason, if you just want more information, you want to talk further, want more information about what a comfort dog can do for you or for your someone you know, you know, you can reach out to me at the Williston Police Department. Our non-emergency number again is 878-802-878-6611. Uh, my email, direct email is M as for Matt, so M and then Cohen, C-O-H-E-N at Williston, W-I-L-L-I-S-T-O-N-P-D-V-T.org. Uh, or social media, either Facebook or Instagram. I, I run Canine Duke's both social media accounts. So if you reach out to there, you'll get to me. Uh, and that's again, it's the letter K, the number nine, Duke, VT. Either one, you'll find us. And you can reach right out if you need any, any questions, any support, anything you want. Um, I mean, you may not like the answer, but at least I'll give you an answer. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and I think that's, you know, thank you, Prescott, for having me on your podcast. It's always been a pleasure. Pleasure working with you, as always. As always, man. And for the listeners, uh, stay tuned for way more <clears throat> next podcasts coming out in a few weeks. Look forward to, uh, you know, having you uh, tune in next time. Thanks so much for tuning into this one. Officer Cohen, stay safe, brother. Thank you.